0: I live in the heart of the Jewish community. And as I was coming tonight, uh, up the hill from us, there are a couple of Hasidic synagogues. And uh, as I was coming tonight, I saw some folks going up the hill, preparing to go to shul, and a bunch of folks coming down the hill. Um, the folks, some of the folks who were, had looked like they were heading home, Um, had come from a little lake um, which is in a park right next to us called Lollipop Lake. Um, I don't know why they call it Lollipop Lake, but that's what they call it. And uh, the Hasidic and Orthodox community have a service there called Tashlich, um, which involves um, emptying out the pockets that have been stuffed full of breadcrumbs. And this is symbolic uh, emptying of the sins. As is stated in in Micah, that the Lord will take our sins and cast them into, into the deep water. And that is symbolic of that. But I'm sharing all that because um, tonight what really gripped me were the words of Paul, who described the zealous for God, God-fearing Jewish community, as those who have a zeal for God but not knowledge. And those of us who have been touched by God, and have a heart for Israel, can't help but sense the same feeling the same conviction that Paul had. Part of it, partially because we see the urgency of the times globally and uh, also in terms of uh, geopolitically. I imagine you've probably seen what took place in the United Nations, the uh, circus that took place in the United Nations uh, this past week, and which continues, by the way. uh, The application of the Palestinians for statehood unilaterally is apparently at this point in the hands of the Security Council, and that is to be determined. It goes through the Byzantine halls of the United Nations, And it will be determined, not so much by them, but it will be determined by God Almighty. And folks, um, just in case you wonder, the fact that we are strongly supportive of Israel does not mean that we hate Arabs. Exact opposite. Scripture tells us that God is not willing that any should perish, Jews or Arabs, We're delighted to know the Arab-believing community in Israel and other places and to see what God has been doing. And we want more of that. But obviously our hearts are for Israel and we are eager to see what God has begun thousands of years ago come to culmination, to fruition. You know, when you think about it, and by the way, the uh, two-state solution had already been determined uh, in 1949, 1947. There was a partition of what was then called Palestine into two portions. One was to go to the Jews, one was to go to the Arabs. Needless to say, it didn't happen because there was a little thing called war that, I- that came and uh, hindered that, but in any event, you know, when you, when you look at the map, and I was seeing this YouTube presentation that was put together by uh, several generals, and you notice the fact that at the narrowest point at the so called Green Line, the 1949 armistice line, Israel is exactly all of nine miles across. Can you imagine that? Just a tiny little piece of real estate that fits in Colorado three or four times. An insignificant piece of real estate to people, perhaps, but not an insignificant piece of real estate to God. The prophet Daniel described Jerusalem as God's city and the people of Israel as the people of God. By the way, the the word for Jew in Hebrew, Yehudi, comes from the word Judah, Yehuda, which has the sense of one who praises God. That was our mission. That is what we were called by God to do. It was fulfilled in the greatest Jew who ever lived, Yeshua of Nazareth, but in a sense, it is yet to be fulfilled. This little piece of real estate for me, as I mentioned, is very significant. Most of my family is still in Israel. My nephew was about to be called to reserve duty, which every male till the age of, of 55 is called for a period of a month. They drop everything and they go to reserve duty. There seems to be this sense of unease in the country because people are aware of the fact that life isn't secure. Life is not secure. Nor for that matter is it really that secure for, for us here in the United States. A couple of weeks ago we observed 9-11. And if you remember, I'm sure most of us do, what life was like before 9-11. Our reality has been turned upside down the security we had is really no longer the case. And it just goes to remind us how tenuous life can be sometimes. If you're looking for peace through external circumstances, you're not going to find it. You're not going to find it. What seems to be real today that is real and stable today is, in fact, wobbly. And all of us have seen that in lives of people all around us, in our own life, in terms of health, in terms of jobs, in terms of relationships, you name it. External circumstances do not give us peace, so we have to find peace internally. And we're grateful for the fact that we are assured of the fact that peace is available for us. The prophet Isaiah tells us that internal peace is available and it's laid out by God for us to take. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. If you know anything about Hebrew it's in a sense taking the cheesecake and putting several layers of icing on top of it. Because the word shalom doesn't just mean absence of war. Shalom means wholeness, completion, relational blessing, prosperity. And then when you say shalom, shalom, what in essence you're saying is peace and and completion on top of peace and completion. And that is something that God provides for us even during times of war. Times of intensity. And unfortunately, you see that in lives of people around you. See, for me, as as a Jew who believes in Yeshua the Messiah, Jesus the Messiah, I look at my community and I see that there is a desire for God, a desire to experience atonement in God's favor. But that comes with a steep package. If you read Jewish writers, you'll see sometimes what is described about the 10 days of awe, the the 10 days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, they're described as a marathon Of self-examination and self-reformation my response to that simply is been there done that have several t-shirts does not work (laughs) you know we can engage in self-examination ad infinitum ad nauseam yes we may see all the junk that's there self-reformation absolutely not try to fix yourself again been there The only way we can find that transformation is because of the presence of God in our life. Because of Him, we have security. The traditional greeting during this time of year, I won't ask you to pronounce it. If you're not raised Jewish, you're going to break your teeth trying to pronounce it. L'Shanah tova t'katevu v'techatemu Are you ready to say it? (laughs) No. May you be inscribed in God's Book of Life. Inscribed and sealed in God's Book of Life. Tradition teaches that on Rosh Hashanah God has two books that are open, the Book of Life and the Book of Death. That the minority are in the Book of Life from the get-go, you know, the real good guys. Uh, the Jewish version of the Mother Teresa or maybe Mother Teresa herself. And the bad guys, um, Osama, straight straight in the uh, Book of Death, but that the majority of people are somewhere in between. Again, please understand, I'm not speaking about this as reflecting the teaching of the good book, the Bible, but as tradition. So most people have to engage in this marathon of self-examination, self-reformation in the hope that God will be pleased to grant another year of life. That is what is described as atonement. You work towards atonement and hopefully you get there. Again, coming back to the prophet Isaiah, I don't see that. I do not see that in the prophet Isaiah because in another place, he states, this is what the Lord God says, the Holy One of Israel, in repentance and rest is your salvation, in quietness and in trust is your strength. It doesn't speak about self-reformation. It speaks about a simple attitude of learning where the power for transformation comes from. And it's not in us. And yes, we're not expected to sit there like blobs and, and say to God, God, do it as if we are total automatons, which is, by the way, what folks in the traditional Jewish community describe us who are followers of Yeshua. Oh, all you guys do is believe it. it's all in your head. We're the ones who do the action. The answer, of course, is yes and no. yes we definitely live by faith however it also is something that manifests itself in our life by action Amen. but it's rest it is rest folks we can have rest in a very nervous world circumstances are wobbly life is wobbly but because we know who god is we have complete rest and assurance of His presence, His reality, and His transforming power in our life. Now part of the truth is, it's very humbling to realize and to acknowledge the fact that you need help. You know, um, I often refer to that as the Sinatra Sinatra doctrine. (laughs) You know, I did it my way. You know, regardless of what happened, I did it my way. And so to say that, that this is sort of the, you may have heard of the poem, Invictus, I'm the captain of my destiny, at blah, blah, etc. more blah.
1: <laughs>
0: so it's very humbling to be able to say, you know, I really don't have what it takes to bring about self-transformation, self-reformation. And that's what the prophet Isaiah says. You could have the rest, you can have the peace. And through that rest and peace, you can have all the needed power to bring about reformation, to bring about transformation in your life. But no, you don't want that. You want to do things your way. You want to be able to say, I'm the one who can do it. I do not need help. It brought to mind the story of Harry Harry R. Truman. Not the former president, but this cantankerous character who lived in the shadow of Saint Mount St. Helens. You may have heard the story. Harry R. R. Truman was encouraged, along with everybody else who lived there, get out! And everybody else did. But no, not him. Because he had built this um, lodge that he had labored on for 50 years, and he, he didn't want to leave. And you can certainly understand that. However, if uh, miles of hot lava are about to come pouring down, I think most of us would say, you know, my life is more important. And as it turned out, um, as best as we know, Harry Truman died uh, with the outflow of the lava. But the story doesn't end there. People have written books and even a movie was made about Harry Truman's life. Why the fascination? And of course, there's a statue commemorating this fellow. Why the fascination with Harry Truman? It it is the, the romance, the mystical notion that here was this little man daring to take on the the power of the mighty mountain. Silly, isn't it? The Word of God instead encourages us to come to terms with reality. Reality is we do not have what it takes to humble ourselves and say, God, we need help. We've tried the self-examination, We've tried the self-reformation. We realize the utter foolishness, the utter futility of it. We need you. We have to recognize the fact that help from Him is available. That's what Messiah coming down here to mix, to engage with us is all about. For us to understand that God is very much approachable. He came down to mix with us, to cause us to understand that forgiveness is available and it's complete as we take ownership of those sins, not as we engage in denial. Complete forgiveness, complete cleansing from the inside out, complete healing of the corrosive Impact of sin in our life, and it is corrosive, folks. May not realize it, but it is corrosive. And complete restoration to become properly equipped to serve God, to serve man. And all of that comes through a humble acceptance of God's help through the agency of Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus. Just want to close with a couple of statements from the writer to a letter in the New Testament, the letter to the Messianic Jews or to the Hebrews. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil. And free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For this reason, he had to be made like his brothers in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and a faithful high priest in service to God, that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. If you've never experienced that kind of reality, that kind of help from God in your personal struggles, that kind of atonement and cleansing, forgiveness, restoration, it's there. It's waiting for you. As you take the step and embrace God's provision, All you have to do is accept, and God will take you on an exciting journey. Let's take a moment to pray. Lord God, we thank you this Rosh Hashanah, the beginning of the new liturgical year, we praise you Lord God that you are the same yesterday today and forever. That your mercy is anew, that your compassion for us Lord does not wane and decrease. We thank you Lord that your atonement is all powerful to bring about the needed forgiveness, cleansing, healing, and restoration, equipping Victory, all these wonderful things. We praise you, Lord God, that your atonement is complete, that it's available for all of us. Lord God, that your power to redeem us embraces each one of us and transcends our foolishness and our sin. Lord, we praise you. We give you the honor and the glory in the name of Yeshua. Amen. If you've been listening to this as we've been worshiping, and you've been hearing this brief message, and you've been sensing somehow God's voice speaking to you, you want to respond to that. Come talk to us afterwards. We'd love to share
1: our story of what God has done in our life. All together. O Lord, open my lips that my mouth may declare your praise. O king, helper, redeemer, and shield, blessed are you, O Lord, shield of Abraham. You sustain the living with kindness and revive the dead with great mercy. You support all who fall and heal the sick. You set the captives free and keep faith with those who sleep in the dust. Who is like you, Lord of power? Who resembles you, O king? You bring death and restore life and cause salvation to flourish. As it is written, and he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Shabbat, and stood up to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and gave it again to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all of them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say to them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. You may be seated.
0: During the period of Rosh Hashanah, the shofar is blown 100 times. We will not be doing that this evening. <laughs> not in its entirety, anyways. But we'd like for you to join in with the blessings for the blowing the shofar and celebrate this mitzvah, this commandment. By the way, is spelled out for us in. The book of Le- Leviticus in the Torah, in chapter twenty-three. This day was actually called Yom Trua, the day of the blowing of the shofar, shofarim, plural. Um, so it is part of the commandment, part of the celebration of this of this holiday, this moed. We're like for you to celebrate with us. Blessed are you. Please turn. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with your commandments and commanded us to hear the sound of the shofar. Tekiah, Shavarim. Tekiyah. Tekiyah. Shvarim Tekiah Tekiah Shvarim Tekiah May it be your will, Lord our God, and God of our fathers. To let the sounds that come forth from our shofar Ascend before Your Glorious Throne. Tekiyah. Teruah. Tekiyah. Tekiyah. Teruah. Tekiyah. Tekiyah. Terua Takeia Gdola.
2: going to do something a little bit a little bit different. I had asked Haim uh, Tuesday if I could give a short testimony on the shofar. And what I wanted to do is talk about what happened to me this last weekend. And I'm going to get this moved so I can. <clears throat> can we get the lights please? I have a shofar testimony for you, and I just love that thing that came down. So. This here is a shofar waveform that was made on a computer. To me, it looks very powerful and very spiritual. I'm going to try to stay out of the way as much as I can. But but if you look at it, it, it just has power written in it, and and to me, you can just see the heavens just opening up in that. And I just thought that was that was very, very cool. My shofar blowing history is minimal. I did a little bit at my house. And last year at this time, I blew my shofar. Beautiful shofar I got for my wife, thank you. Probably the total times I had blown this shofar was about 25 or 30 times total. Frequently, and as Charles heard over here, some squeaky ducks kept popping out of here. <laughs> along with some really true shofar sounds, and that's okay. It takes lip muscles and such to blow a shofar, and I hadn't exercised mine. Last Thursday night, I, had tra- I traveled down to Denton, Texas, to a place called Gloria Zion, where they were having a Head of the Year conference. Thursday night, all day Friday, all day Saturday, and then Sunday. The headliner Thursday night was Paul Wilbur, Don't well, that's not that's not Paul Wilbur. Yeah, that is that's Paul right up there. He's right up there. And and there was about two thousand to three thousand people there at this place. It was a large place. There was an hour of praise music before Paul even got up. I took my shofar down front and proceeded to worship, sing, and blow my shofar like I've never blown it before. It was sweet, and the worship was was way hot. I mean, I'll tell you what, it it was a blessing, blessing. After an hour or so of worship, Paul Werber came on, and he asked for any shofar blowers in the audience to come up front. The gentleman I was traveling with, Tom Baker, whom I went to Israel with in 2002, we looked at each other and said, well, let's go. (laughs) So there's 30 to 35 of us in the front of the stage. Now, it's not in this picture. They didn't have that picture, but there's 30 to 35 of us shofar blowers at the front of the stage. And at the requested time by Paul, he says, okay, shofar blowers, let's go. And we did. And it was awesome. And out of this shofar at that time, no squeaky ducks came out of this one here. (laughs) People went nuts, and then the concert was on. The Holy Spirit, you know, just was evident, and it was very cool. Friday, all-day-long conference sessions. There were speakers, but in between each speaker was... 45 minutes to an hour of worship. There was dance. You can see some of this down here. There's flags, banners, and, of course, shofar blowing. No squeaky ducks, again. During the first worship time, I called, I called the area up front, right around in this area, called the Holy Ghost Mosh Pit because people got down in there. It was huge. It was 60 yards wide, 20 yards deep, and full of people. Dancing and praising the Lord. It was it was totally awesome. While I was down there, I figured, well, I'm just going to go down there. I mean, I, I don't know what the rules are. I'm down there worshiping, blowing my shofar, and a big hand grabbing on my shoulder. And I'm like, well, I guess I'm in the wrong place. And I turned, and there was this very big black man there. He was wearing a kippah and a tallit. His name was Matthew. He was holding a shofar, and he announced to me, I'm here to blow with you. I'm like... Yes, sir. (laughs) And we did. And we blew and we did with zeal. Generally, there was three or four worship times a day and an hour or so. And I was blowing this shofar. Remember, I'd blown it like 20 or 25 times. And I was blowing it the whole time. No squeaky ducks. If you see back over here, that's me with my hands raised, praising the Lord, just having a great time, wearing my tallit. I always wore my tallit when I was when I was blowing the shofar, I had purchased that tallit in Jerusalem during a very important mission trip I mentioned in 2002. Right during that time, the Lord was opening my heart to the Hebraic roots. I went, and it was just a wonderful time. My miss- that, that tallit that was there, it cost an awful lot of money. It was a great big one. It would basically fit on a queen-size bed. It was You all have seen me around here with it. It's just huge. It goes to the floor. Heim's tried to put it on me right. I don't get it right. But it was big. I really liked that talit. It was very important to me. I wore it at important times, during worship here, during Torah service, and a couple of times in private prayer. One time when I was down there blowing the shofar in my talit, this gentleman walked up to me. I didn't know who he was. And he grabbed me. He says, hey, you blow the shofar. And I said, well, I try. His name is Alan Fabian. He's the head shofar player at Glory of Zion. He told me, there's going to be a sound tunnel Saturday night to close the worship, to close the conference. I'm like, cool. And he said, be ready. I said, I will. I'm there. I told my traveling companion to be ready. Saturday, same thing all day long. Conference Worship time for an hour, hour and a half, blowing shofar, and then, and then conference sessions. Saturday evening. The evening call came out for Allen's Guys, but it was, it was a false start. It, it was in the middle of this worship service. It was wonderful, all this stuff, and, the, and then we heard, hey, Allen's Guys, get up here. Well, we did. This wasn't it, but, and it was a mess. It was a lot of people there, and it just wasn't orderly. But we blew for like 20 minutes. Let me rewind a little bit. This was being um, cast over the Internet. So my wife and kids were at home watching this whole thing. It was very cool on the TV. I texted my wife. I said, we got done with that? And I said, hey, that was cool, but our lips fell off. I don't know, Michael, Charles, have you blown for 20 minutes continuously? Yeah, our lips fell off. They went through a couple of speakers, and at the very end of the evening, the official call for Alan's guys came out. And that's us lining up ready. And, and the intent here was, you know, there was 20, 25 of us lined up here, and the concept was to send the people out, with the knowledge and anointing of the Holy Spirit from the conference to return back to our homes and churches and congregations. There was people from 57 countries here, along with people all across the United States. So as you can see us there, we're lined up, ready to go. And the the intent was, and this is looking from the stage out, is people would leave, exit the aisles, come up front, and then go through the shofar tunnel, praising and worshiping the Lord. This was an extremely powerful moment, an extremely, not a moment, a oh way to shuffle 3,000 people through. It was another 45 minutes of constant shofar blowing. Praise the Lord, no squeaky ducks. I mean, it was, it was an amazing thing. I don't know, I just asked if they'd blown for twenty. I guess forty five's not there, huh? The Holy Spirit enabled us all to continuously blow this is This is on the third day of four days of much blowing. This is a picture of what it looked like coming through the tunnel. You can see the people praising the Lord, worshiping, singing, crying. There's yours truly, right there. My travelling partner was is right there. Big Matthew is right there. There's a lot of people here blowing shofars. This gentleman here, a Native American Indian who was who was there like he could blow like there's no tomorrow. I mean he he, it was like, Oh my word, how can you possibly blow that well? So a word from the Lord came to me and he said, Be encouraged, CYT. You are but an outpost in the wilderness. There is an army coming. It gets better when the Holy Spirit decides to move. I, I had known of the Holy Spirit, but it was in like in the Christian art, the little bird that flies around i 'm down in Texas. I got the holy Spirit the Holy Ghost sheep dip out there. really got to meet him. He took me on a huge journey on Sunday. We arrived for the last sessions for the Sunday service. We drove up there upon arrival. I noticed this little boy getting out of the car in, in the parking lot. I noticed right away he was a down syndrome kid. But when he got out, he was carrying a big shofar, way bigger than this. I said, cool, I thought. He liked to play, super deal. Then I dropped the thought. I mean, a lot of people carried shofars there. The worship starts. I'm in my talit that I love, dancing in front. (laughs) Yes, down in front, dancing. I found rhythm. Um, I'm in the Holy Ghost mosh pit playing. Four days of blowing my shofar with no issues. The Holy Spirit just lets me blow and blow and blow. I'm in the Holy Ghost mosh pit, facing another way. It's it's again. I said it's huge. And behind me, I hear this glorious shofar sound, a stunning sound I've never heard. Charles, that was awesome. Thank you, thank you. This sound was something I'd never heard, and it was getting stronger and stronger. It was quite majestic. The notes were changing. It was like a trumpet, but it was a shofar, I could tell. Called all the proper sounds, just like Charles did. It was a pro. I'm like, well, i got to turn around and see who this man was. I thought it was the Native American Indian guy. I've never heard anything like this before. I turn, and I don't see a man. I saw the little boy. I was stunned. I'm like, how can that be? This little kid, down syndrome kid, blowing the shofar. He had a very stoic face, no emotion, just blowing. I was down there blowing my shofar, and then he starts to stare at me. I mean, he's just right there. He starts to stare at me, and he's staring and staring. And we're worshiping the Lord, and, we're, and he keeps staring at me. And I hear a voice in my head, words I'll never forget. Give him your talit. I'm like, (laughs) like, what? Give him your tallit. Now, I don't have spiritual encounters like this. I knew it was the Lord telling me. It was a direct command. The little dude just kept playing. I kept playing. Then suddenly I hear, give him your tallit. Very calm. No trouble. And I'm like, okay. An argument continued to ensue at that point in time about my tallit. Lord, you know how special this one is to me. You know how much this thing costs. These things aren't cheap. It's too big for the little dude. Look at that. I made all of these reasons up. In my head, why I shouldn't give this tallit to this little dude? I turned away from him, and I worshipped and blew my shofar, and I hear again, give him your tallit. No, I'm not going to give him my tallit. I go on blowing, little dude's blowing, one final time, very calm. I said, give him your tully, I heard. I said, no. I turned to blow, and guess what? No sound. No squeaky ducks. Just, I'm serious, there's a heart attack. Nothing. Nothing came out of this shofar. I'm like, well, I've been blowing for 34 days. My lips are not wet. I need to readjust. I did that. I pick it up to my face again, and I blow into the shofar, and you hear (sighs) nothing. I realize at this point in time, I'm in trouble. I could sense a chuckling in the heavens, but I had to do what was told of me. I went up to the little dude, and I said, here, hold, hold my shofar. And he looked at me very confused. Hold this. And I took off my tallit, I had a very cool Jerusalem city clasp on it. I put it around his shoulders and I clasped it and then I, I wrapped it up on him and I made him look really cool. And I told him, I said, This was now yours. The Lord told me to give it to you. Whenever you wear whenever you wear it, you blow your shofar. Whenever you blow your shofar, wear it, and always pray. But pray to the Lord and thank him for it. He looked rather befuddled. He was very confused, and I said, come on now, blow, and that's a video right after I gave it to him of him blowing. I don't have the sound. You could hear and it, it was mayhem in there, but he could blow like there's no tomorrow. He looks pretty good, in and I'll tell you what. He was blowing, and I took my shofar, and I put it in my hand, and I looked at it, and I looked up, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, and I put it to my face, and guess what happened? blue i heard a chuckling from the sound of heaven i've gone on long enough there is a final chapter to this story i can't tell it now without becoming really emotional so i'm not going to do that the shofar is a call to worship it is a call to war it is the call of the coming of the messiah again there is power in the shofar and worship It is our duty to praise the Master of all, to exalt, everybody join in please, to exalt the Creator of the universe. We bend the knee and bow and acknowledge before the Supreme King of Kings, the Holy One, blessed be He, that it is He who stretched forth the heavens and founded the earth. His seat of glory is in the heavens above, His abode of majesty is in the lofty heights.
0: Please stand. (laughs) Yehi ratzon milfanecha, Adonai Elohei Eloheinu Velohe Avotenu, sheTehadesh Aleinu. Shanatova Umetuka, together. May it be your will, O Lord our God and God of our fathers, to renew for us a year that is good and sweet. I'd like to encourage everyone to come up afterwards and take one of the apples and dip it in honey as a symbol of our expectation and our hope that indeed. The Lord will go before us this year and do nifla'ot, wondrous things. Amen. Not for our sake so much, although we, you know, we like it, right? <laughs> but rather that he would receive the honor and glory and would be real pleased. And by the way, when you come up and take one of these, uh, this is not an invitation f- for folks to become Hansel and Gretel. Uh, so would you do your best to enjoy them and not leave a trail of honey for the bears to follow? Baruch Atah Adonai Eloheinu, Melech HaOlam, Borei Pri Hagafin. Please join in together. Baruch Atah Adonai. Eloheinu henu amen blessed are you lord our god king of the universe creator of the fruit of the vine amen And likewise, an invitation for everyone to come and enjoy the challah and uh, enjoy it up here. And let's give thanks for the challah. <laughs> Baruchat Adonai, Eloheinu Melech Lechem min haaretz. Amen. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. Amen. And the blessing for the refreshments. And by the way, we welcome everyone to stay after the service and enjoy the Oneg, the refreshments. And please join in as we give thanks for the various goodies. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam amen Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, creator of different types of yummy foods. The Lord commanded Moses and Aaron to bless the people, please receive. This blessing is from the Lord. Receive it in faith that God has a sweet and good new year for you. Yevarechech Adonai Ve'yishmereicha Ya'er Adonai panavelecha Ve'yichuneicha Yis Ha'adonai, Pana V'yasem lecha, Shalom. B'Shem Yeshua HaMashiach, Sahashalom Shalom. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his shalom, his fullness, completion. In the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, the Prince of Peace. Amen.